at the name of Jesus. Amen. In preparation for today's Easter sermon, I went back to my childhood, wherein I remembered something that was the devil of me. You might recall it from your earlier years as well. It's called the magic eye. And apparently those who have the correct eye can see things hidden in this computer-generated art. Now, I, for one, don't believe it. Because I have never, in my 40 years and some odd change, ever seen the hidden magic art. And yet, I get beside some show-offs, like my wife, who in a few minutes can look at it and say, oh, honey, don't you see the two wolves there in this masterpiece? They're, they're there before you. It's 3D. It's like you could reach out and touch it. No, Rebecca, I, I don't see. Well, try it like this. Get it real close to your face and then slowly move it away and then they'll appear. No, Rebecca, I still don't see it. Well, then lastly, she said, well, if you look at it and you cross your eyes <laughs> and you look at it for long enough, then you'll see it. And it was at that point when I wondered, is she just pulling my leg to get me to do ridiculous things so that I can try to see that which is not really there? But some of you might say, oh, I see it. And similar is our journey this Easter season. For as we've talked about our Lenten series of hidden promises, we have seen something on the cover of our bulletin wherein the tomb which was sealed was behind a cross. The cross concealed our view. It was like you could not get to the empty tomb until you embraced the cross. But today's Easter bulletin says it's no longer hidden. The tomb stands in the foreground and the cross draped in a white veil for victory stands in the background. You see, for all of us, Wondering today, coming before an empty tomb, asking the questions of, do I see it or not? Is it for me or is it not? I, I want to believe, but help my unbelief. The empty tomb says to any and all who come today that the love of God is no longer hidden from you. It is as plain as morning light, which that was similar to Mary having gotten up early to go to the tomb to anoint Jesus's body because they had to rush through the burial process in order to remain sacramentally clean. She endeavored alone, thinking that she would find exactly what you and I would be made to believe in our own experience, a dead person remaining dead, hope being lost, the vicious cycle only to repeat itself again and again and again. But what she found instead 
was a promise that could not be denied. The tomb had been rolled away. You see, something had happened. And even though she could not articulate exactly what had happened, she ran back to tell two other very important disciples, one being John, the one the scripture refers to as the beloved disciple, and then Peter. All of them with various emotional states now turning back towards the empty tomb and heading to see what they could figure out. The first thing that I see in this scripture that I want to put before you is regardless of your emotional state today, regardless of how together you feel, regardless of whether you feel worthy or unworthy of this Easter promise, which is no longer hidden from you, I want you to know that you today can come to the empty tomb just as you are. You do not have to change one thing about yourself or about your life. The empty tomb is a universal sign for any and all who would dare even try to behold or try to believe to come and see what has been done. Mary is one who is devastated. She is crying profusely because she is afraid of the real possibility that the body of Christ has been stolen. And yet, Mary is able to go to the tomb just as she is. Peter, the hardened fisherman, the one that Jesus said, from now on I will call you Little Rock because on you I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, was also on the way. He stops outside of the tomb and investigates, but then enters in. And it says so many things about Peter in that even though he enters into the tomb, he is wracked with confusion. How, how could this be that the Jesus that I denied three times and the Jesus that I knew had died is, is now not here? If you are confused about this mystery of resurrection, you also are welcome here. And then there was John, the beloved disciple. He was so excited that he outran the older, slower Peter to the empty tomb. It says that likewise, he stood outside, but then followed Peter in. But when he saw the linen cloths that wrapped the body of Jesus, he believed. So today, if you are excited about the resurrection of Jesus and the promise no longer hidden from you, you are likewise welcome to the empty tomb. Whether you are afraid, whether you are confused, whether you are excited, or whether you are any other thing, you are in the right place because God's eternal love presents itself to you here, now, and always. But there's something important that happens, something which has to round out this mystery of the empty tomb. For unless these three individuals behold a risen Savior, their faith 
will remain incomplete. The mystery will go unanswered. So as Peter and John head back, presumably, to Jerusalem, Mary Magdalene, one who Jesus cast seven demons out of, one who followed Jesus from the early stages of his ministry, and one who supported Jesus financially throughout his mystery, lingers. She's crying. She's destroyed. She's feeling that everything is at a loss Even when she sees two angels inside of the empty tomb, one where the head of Jesus would have been and one where the feet of Jesus would have been, she is still not understanding what happens when suddenly she turns around. There is someone in her presence. And John makes no mistakes. And when he says that Mary believes that it is the gardener, John is taking us back to Genesis in the Garden of Eden, which our own Eddie Cole so beautifully referenced in his pastoral prayer. A garden when everything was perfect, when there was perfect shalom and man and God walked side by side in the cool of the evening. John is putting this reference as Jesus as the gardener to let us know that an order has been restored. The curse of sin that turned that garden of Eden into a thistle of thorns is gone. There is no more barrier. And so powerful is the love of God that even a cemetery, a place of tombs, where you and I would be fearful to walk has now been turned into the beauty of a gardener. But notice what happens next. Mary, as she cries out to the one she believes to be a gardener, saying, if you know where they have taken my Lord, please tell me so I can go and find her. Here's something that changes her fear into faith, and I believe will change wherever you are, whoever you are, into faith as Jesus pronounces her name, Mary. And in an instant, she proclaims, teacher. She recognizes that in the resurrected body of Christ, There is the man who healed her three years prior and set her free to new life. There is the man whose teaching richly blessed her. There is the man that she saw dead on a cross, who she saw put into a grave. And there is the same man in his resurrected body who has conquered death once and For all, praise be to God. And in that name of Mary, I believe three transformative things happen in her life that will also happen in your and my life as we likewise, this Easter Sunday, hear our name being pronounced by the very Son of God, the one who was present at your creation, who knew your life before it ever happened and calls your life into account wherever you are so that you may live into the fullness of God's love. 
I think the first thing that happens when Mary hears her name is she's able to reconcile herself to her past. The past is something that can weigh on all of us. Within our pasts, there's always some level of regret. The things that we did, the things that we didn't do, in some way, in some form, in some fashion, we did not live up to our calling. We wear this past on our shoulders, and in so many ways, it is beating us down. But when we hear Jesus say our name, we're able to do this very important thing with the past. Let it go. Now, I want you to say that with me. Let it go. No, I want you to say it like you mean it. Let it go. That is exactly what the power of the resurrection is able to do for our lives. Our pasts, all sorted, all varied, all filled with some form of regret in the power of the resurrection. This Easter Sunday, you and I are able to let it go. Yes, we do have to own what we did or what we did not do, but here is the good news. It no longer owns you. You, in the words of the Apostle Paul, are a new creation. The old has gone, you see, because we've let it go and the new has come. The next thing that we're able to do upon hearing our name is embrace the present. I want you to say with me, live it. Are you ready? Live it. That is exactly what the power of the resurrection asks and invites each and every one of us to do. To live this present before us because there is truly no better gift than the time that is here and today. As the quote goes, yesterday is history, tomorrow mystery, but today is a gift and that's why we call it the present. Jesus in his ministry kept utilizing this statement saying, I have come to give them life and life to the full. That's not something to be embraced 40 years from now when we are dead and gone and in heaven. No, life and life to the full is the here and now to live it in its full measure. And as one childhood mentor said, in order to live life, you have to love life. So for that reason, for your present today, upon hearing your name from Jesus Christ, I want you to live it. And lastly, your future. Anticipate it. Will you say that with me? Anticipate it. Far too many of us dread the future. We dread things that have not yet come to be. We're fearful of how we might lose or how we might be made to look less than. But the power of the resurrection through Jesus Christ is that in him, we do not have to fear or worry. In the words of my 10-year-old daughter, you've got this. To which I might add, you've got this because Jesus has got you. And in him, he calls us to not worry for tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worry of its own. Who by worrying, 
Who by worrying, Jesus says, can add one more hour to your life? I might add, who by worrying can add any more quality to your life? The question obviously is rhetorical because the answer is none and nobody. We are called to embrace this spirit of anticipation, whether it is you as an individual or us corporately as a body of believers known as First Baptist Church. Together, because of the empty tomb, because of the risen Savior, and because he calls your name, we were able to say we anticipate it because truly in Christ, the best is yet to come. Now, can we say that together? Because I know I've said it a few times prior. The best is yet to come. So because you Hear your name from Jesus today. The resurrected Savior who stands in front of an empty tomb, know this, your past, let it go. Your present, live it. Your future, anticipate it. And now we are set free. I think that's one of the biggest things that we fail to grasp about the gospel. It sets us free. For in Christ, as Paul says in Romans, we are more than conquerors. Whatever obstacle that you are fearing, whatever challenges in your present, and oh, how many there are, we are set free. Set free and made to be more than conquerors. When Mary is set free, she returns to the other disciples under the instruction of Jesus and tells them the following, I have seen the Lord. You see, a testimony, a witness is doing nothing more than saying what you have seen, what you have felt, what you have heard. And so today, this Easter Sunday, I want to ask you, what have you seen today? What have you seen today, felt today, heard today that you likewise are being commissioned by Jesus to go out and say what you have seen? Have you seen the Lord today? Say so. Have you felt the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life today? Say so. Have you seen the love of family today? Say so. Have you seen that no matter how crazy and chaotic our world is, there is yet hope because of a promise that is no longer hidden? Say so. And whatever you have seen, whatever has been revealed to you by the resurrection light of Jesus Christ, I challenge and charge you likewise to go forward and say So, this is the gospel. This is the good news. This is what the world is dying to hear, and you are the resurrection children. Go forward and say what you have seen. As I conclude, I want to put before you a question, a question which I want you to write down and discuss around your Easter lunch or Easter dinner today with your family a question which I believe will bring into focus the things that God is challenging and calling you to say as an extension of his good news and gospel. 
It reads as following, what are you seeing today in the light of the resurrection that you need to tell others about? Let me say that one more time. What are you seeing today in light of the resurrection that you need to tell others about? If you will be faithful to answering that question, if you will be faithful into speaking aloud your answers, I proclaim that in you is a message that is as powerful as the good news of Jesus Christ. The Jesus Christ who died so that none should perish but have everlasting life. The Jesus who says, I stand plainly before you, no longer hidden, not locked before you by magic or something that only some who are qualified can see while others or not. No, I see Jesus before us today, plainly spoken, plainly visible, and calling you and me into this next glorious chapter of resurrection life, this Easter Sunday and thereafter. Would you pray with me? Father God, for the message of Easter Sunday, for the fact that we hear our name being called by the risen Savior, one that releases us from the past, one that charges us to live into the present, one that tells us not to worry or dread the future, one that says any and all who want to come closer can. There's no necessary category. There's no necessary achievement necessary to come before the risen Savior. It doesn't matter if we're scared. It doesn't matter if we're confused. It doesn't matter if we're excited. Any and all can come. And I thank you, God, that as we leave today, we will be the resurrection children, ones who speak light into darkness, ones who speak hope into doubt, and ones who always proclaim that in Jesus the best is yet to come. We stand and respond as you have called us to do so as we sing now this invitation hymn. And all God's children said, amen. Would you stand and respond as you feel so led during this our invitation hymn?